Hello, and welcome to another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. I'm Wayne Highlander, National Sales Manager of Bone Adhesives. And I'm Rob Johnson from Bona Training. How you doing, Rob? Pretty good, Wayne. Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing well. I, uh, in your honor, I got a Bona Training shirt on, buddy. I, I see that. You'll have to send me a Bona Adhesive shirt. I don't have one. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> What's your hat? Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, not going to happen. You know what? I do have a couple of adhesive hats. Maybe I'll wear my uh, my eight fifty one hat. That's a good hat. It is. It's um yeah. I I have it's a West Coast hat. So I got new hats now that are more uh, generic to the whole country. But uh, it had the flat. You know, people say, "Yeah, you're sixty years old and you're not hip anymore." Au contraire. I uh, this is uh, like if you're like a, a gangster. You know, maybe. Uh, a rap rap singer or a, a rock rock icon, you'd want to have this hat, but they're all gone now. What's it? The flat oh. brim with the uh, with the sticker still on it. Yep, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a, a while back, when Bum was still living at home, a buddy of his came walking in the house wearing one of those hats, and I said, "Yeah, you damn kids don't know anything about hats," and I. Grabbed it off his head, tore the sticker off, and started to bend the brim. Well, you would have thought that I had lit that hat on fire. And Bum looked at the kid and said, I told you not to wear that hat in in front of my dad. And I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? I fixed it. I fixed it for him. Now, now it looks good. Now it's a hat. Now it's a ball cap. Yeah. Yeah. But he didn't have the hat on backwards, though, did he? No. Nope. I just can't get behind that, man. I have a problem with that. So, okay. Hey, so what are we yes. going to talk about today, Wayne? So today, we're going to talk about potpourri. A whole list of potpourri? stuff. Yeah, you might call it potpourri. Is that how it was pronounced? I thought it was potpourri. Potpourri, I'm kidding. You know, on this show, Rob, there's we we've talked on we've had some episodes where you know we because in the interest of time we didn't get something in or uh, we thought you know what we probably should have said this or maybe a listener said hey you guys missed this one and so we just thought we throw it all into a, a a show just a bunch of random stuff that we've been uh, we've been hoarding for a while okay a potpourri potpourri yeah. That's a Jeopardy right. thing. Isn't that on Jeopardy? Potpourri? I don't, Jeopardy. I don't know. You don't watch uh, Jeopardy? As one of the categories, I'm sure it probably is, yeah. But I don't watch Jeopardy, no. I, th I think it is. I think Potpourri is uh, a Jeopardy. You don't like Jeopardy? No, I was never a fan, no. Unless, you gotta be pretty. You gotta be a real smart guy to watch Jeopardy. I mean, that's probably why I don't watch it too much is... Uh, uh, really shows me how much I, how little I know about everything. Unless you watch a rerun or you watch it before, you know, sometimes the show comes on at three and then maybe comes on at seven. You watch the early one and you're a genius with your friends. You, you've seen the movie Groundhog Day, right? Yeah. There was a scene where Murray's watching the same Jeopardy probably for, you know, 300th time in a row. While he's drinking a bottle of Jack Daniels. And he's answering the questions and looking at everybody in the room before they're even done asking the question. 
and all the old people are clapping for him. It's a great scene. Pretty good. All right. I'm going to throw something out there, Rob. Maybe you can throw something out there. But um, the first one I'm going to put out there, because I've heard it several times lately when with calls that I've got from different contractors, mainly young guys that haven't haven't been in the trade too long or what have you. And that is, the, 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 and again, I'm going to preface this with a lot of this is Rob and I's opinion, right? I mean, you know, this is not everybody's got their own way of doing things and I'm, and I could be dead wrong. And, and uh, some guys might look at this and go, you know what? I completely disagree. It worked great for us. But the first one I'm going to put out there because it really rubs me the wrong way when I was a contractor. And it's this taking work to get work, you know, Hey, you know, I, I know this job, it doesn't pay much, but you know, and I know it's a bad situation, but you know, take care of us on this one. And the next one, the next one will be a real good job. We'll take care of you on the next one. Well, my thought process was if they didn't want to really pay you much on this one, what makes you think they're going to want to pay you on the next one? So, did you have a, a builder say that to you? Oh, I've, I've had over the, over the course of my uh, career, yeah, maybe two or three times. And it may have worked once when I was a kid, but it's a red flag after that. In fact, it's a real turnoff to me. That would uh, that would be a tough one to swallow. Yeah, I remember um, Pete and I. We got called from this builder, one of the larger builders in the Albany area. He's like, "Oh, we've seen your work, and you know, the, the, you're the kind of crew that we're looking for." And I think this is going into. I'm, I might be jumping ahead, but the one the. Uh, the one bullet that you were talking about here where maybe the best work, the best job you didn't, how'd you say it? The best job you didn't take was the one, the best job you got was the one you didn't take. Yeah. Something, I, 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 uh, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't want to get all your jobs anyhow. In fact, there's some really good contractors that feel like you should probably miss about half your jobs. Uh, there's a the thought process out there that um, to get your prices up, that that's not such a bad thing. Again, just our opinion. I mean, uh, in my opinion, I mean, you know, hell, it's different with everybody else. But I agree with that, man. I mean, you, you don't want all the jobs. And especially the more booked out you are, uh, there's nothing worse than being booked out a month and a half and a fantastic job comes along that, that uh, you could really make some great money on and you're taking one that's less than you would like uh, to fill out the schedule. So. All right. Well, that so builder my... that Peter and I, that builder that Peter and I are talked to, we ended up not taking it. Just it was huge houses. They were almost like track mansions, you know, just huge developments. And I was thinking, you know, so we as soon as I started talking about money, he's like, "Oh, don't worry about that." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, no, I, you know, I am kind of worried about that." It's just, yeah, <laughs> this is the two of us, and. uh he goes, well, you know, you get the jo- you get the wood on the job, and I go, well, I'll, you know, whenever we drop wood on a job, uh, we, we want fifty percent down. He goes, oh no, 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 it doesn't work that way. He goes, I'll get you a line of credit at the at your distributorship, and we'll start to work like. And as soon as he started talking like that, I was like, mm. boy, you, I wanted that work. You know, I, I knew it would have changed us, but. 
I ended up watching that through the years and the guys who took that, there was, I knew a couple of guys, a couple of companies that did take that ran with it and, you know, hired on guys and bought more trucks and more equipment and everything. And they didn't go bankrupt, but it was a huge mistake. So I was pretty glad that I had walked away from that one because that one, I think would have just tore us up pretty quick because we were pretty small. It was just two of us. Well, I mean, that that is, leads to another good point, really, is that, and I talked about red flags. Another red flag for me, a big time red flag, is when someone tries to dictate my business. That, you know, no, I, I know you take 25% down or whatever, but here's how we do it. Here's how we're going to pay and blah, blah, blah. I'm not interested. You don't know my business. You don't know what my aspirations are and what, what my, my uh, overhead is and my plans and stuff like that. And I would never let anybody dictate my business, even as a young kid. I knew, and you know, you get in with a builder like that and you get all your ducks in a row and everybody, you're all invested with this builder. That's a scary place to be. And, and they have a lot of leverage on you. It could be a fantastic relationship that could last a long time, but um, it also could get to the point where you've got all your ducks in, in, one, in one basket. And that's, that to me is a little scary, so. Letting someone else dictate your business is a, is a, and also there's a certain amount of pride and you know that hey, you know that's just not going to happen. I run this ship and that's just the way it is. So, mm. okay, you know this um, one, this first one you talked about. Um, as we started talking, talking through that last story, that first bullet, taking work to get work. When Pete and I left my dad's company and we started our own. We were like, we were like the kings of taking work to get work. I would have raked your yard if you had given us a call. You know, it was uh, it was like the late '80s. I think it was like '89. Yeah, because Bum had just been born in '88, so it was like '89. And uh, so, you know, we were we were definitely hungry. I mean, we weren't rich when we left. We just started it kind of on a wing and a prayer, and. Uh, Oh my gosh, some of the work that we were taking was just, uh, we look back at it now, it was kind of funny. Uh, do you do banisters? Yes, we'll, we'll sand your banisters. Do you do? Yeah. <laughs> we, we couldn't even get stair jobs at the time. It was like we, we were getting uh, um, spindle jobs. And you know, <laughs> do, you, do you sand spindles? Oh, hell yeah. Is it made of wood? Yeah. Yeah, I'm your guy. Well, yeah, we're. We're spindle specialists. Okay, I, I I gotta tell you then. So, I was I wasn't even a contractor at the time. I was a I was a, a union carpenter, and but I was going down the direction of being a floor guy. I knew that's what I really wanted to do, and so I did a lot of stuff on the weekend, you know, um, you know, buying equipment and stuff. And um, I say that I I you know I don't do that, but I did it on one occasion. And uh, it still cracks me up when I think about it. The guy that used to Oakland, used to, he used to own the Oakland Tribune. He had a kid. We did the floors in his house, or I did the floors in his house. I think by yeah, back then I was just by myself. And um, he looked out in the backyard and he goes, "You know, my kid's got a birthday coming up in a couple of weeks, and I bought this, you know, massive backyard swing set for him. Do you want to put it together for him? I'll pay for it." I go, "No, no, I, you know, I, I'm." I don't, that's not what I do. He goes, I give you 800 bucks. I said, okay, I can, I can, I can do that. I'll, I'll put that together. So I did, I did make an exception for a playground set, which, um, 
you know, I had swallowed my pride there a little bit, but I got paid. Okay, the next one, Rob. You got one? You want me to go? No, you keep going. Okay. Um, and this is one that we talked about before, but because I see this a lot, man, um, if you don't figure your overhead on a job, it will absolutely devour you. And that is if you don't figure what the tires cost on your truck, having your tires replaced. Um, if you don't think about your storage, what the lights on the electricity and all these type of things, the, the machinery, like I, I said before, my father-in-law used to tell me, you gotta, you gotta put something in for your machines on every job because every job they're getting older. And um, so not, not really figuring your overhead and getting a really good, good, good uh, understanding of what your overhead is. And, and I mean, you have to figure everything. It can devour you over time on your profit. If it, if it takes away 5% on each job, 10% on each job, a little bit here and there, if you look at the bottom line at the end of a month, six months or 12 months, that's a massive amount of uh, money out of your pocket. And if you extrapolate that out over a 20 year career, it's a tremendous amount of money. So uh, really getting an understanding of your overhead and, and building that into the job is, uh, we talked about it before, I think, we had one of our guests. Oh, we had a uh, Chris Zizza on here. Zizza, right? I was just gonna yeah. say, I think, yeah, I think Zizza really talked about that pretty good, wasn't it? Him that he was saying, um, what does he take one percent or three percent of every one of his jobs? Three percent, three percent. If you haven't listened to that that podcast with Chris Zizza on there, he gives a lot of great business advice. And this is a, a, a bullet point that I put down, but I, I really think if you look at it like that, that it can devour you over time. I think that's a, a pretty eye-opening uh, um, piece of information if you don't take it into consideration. That other one that Zizza had talked about, and that was the one where I said, oh, we got to have him on the show. And, you know, that's what this show is, kind of, going back over some stuff, drilling a little bit deeper, but when Zizza was talking about how to really figure out your costs, I mean, you're, you're going there. That's what you're talking about with your overhead, but throwing everything away. And then at the end of the week, taking those trash bags and dumping them on the floor to really see how much sandpaper, how many applicators, how many paintbrushes, how many rags, how much finish, you know, that is really, uh, that was just an eye-opening experience. I wish that uh, that I had done that in my younger days when we had started our company. We definitely could have got a better handle on how much we should have been charging by the square foot and not just saying, well, you know, this is what we get in the Albany area, so this is what we get. Where I think you, I see too many people, too, at the trainings where that's how they're charging per square foot. They're not looking at what it costs them or how much they want to make. Uh, a lot of what they're basing, what they're charging is what their town charges, what their, what their, the people in their area, you know, what the average price is. And you can't get more than that, but we all both, you and I both know that there's lots of people who get a, a lot more than what people are thinking that they're getting. So if, if you take, so let's say I, I, I did a job, it's, you know, let's say I, I figure I made $2,000 on the job. And then, and then I go back and look at, I didn't charge for my gas for the trucks for that, for that month. 
and that that is coming out of that two thousand dollar job that two that two thousand there's two you know a bunch of hundred dollar bills laying on the on the table and you take you take some away for the gas that you didn't figure for the insurance that you didn't figure for the tolls that you may not have figured for that one piece of equipment you had to, you had to get for this particular job uh the, the trip you had to go to home depot if you don't figure those little things uh at the end of a, a job man um like I said, the, the way that you can extrapolate that out and how much money that actually means, uh, it's huge. But, you know, the thing is, um, we talked about, I, I always talk about how important the bid is. When, you, when you're in front of that homeowner and you have time, a chance to, to give them that number, uh, you can't outwork a bad bid. And it's no fun even if you could. So making sure you get everything in there and show them what your, what your value is and what your worth is, I, I think it's huge. I mean, you'll hit a long ball once in a while, you know, on the jobs. I mean, you know, we're all, we all, every once in a while, you hit that home run where it's crazy amount of money or whatever on a job and things flowed your way. But, uh, and by the way, you need those jobs too. You, you should never feel guilty about those jobs because you flat out need those jobs uh, because some, some might go the other direction. So they're important for your business. So. Definitely. The next one that I'm going to talk about is. Stop thinking about what your worth is. What you think your worth is, is really irrelevant. It's what the customer thinks your, your, your goods and services are, are worth. That is really what is important. You know, and I think we get stuck sometimes in that. And I think the reason we do is because there's a lot of really good, hardworking people in this trade that are really just decent, hardworking people that care and they're decent and they, they want to do the right thing and whatever. They don't want to gouge anybody. But I think it's important that we, you know, as tradesmen, and there's less and less of us in the world, I mean, doing quality work. I think sometimes we get caught up too much thinking what we think that job is worth to us. You know, we've all, you know, seen a, a piece of beautiful art that to me, I, you know, yeah, it wouldn't mean anything to me, but for someone else, it could be, you know, $100,000. Unless I couldn't resell it, buy a bass boat out of the deal. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> But, you know, so my point is, I think that we get caught up in that. And, I, you know, what people will pay for, for having someone that they can depend on, that they don't have to worry about, that they can trust in their home, that they've got, you know, they can walk out that door and go to work and have a complete peace of mind for a guy that makes $150,000, $200,000 a year. The difference between $3,500 for the job or $4,800 for the job is minuscule to him. Uh, so... Um, I, I think that that something we need to consider uh, as well when we look at our our business. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about it every day during the trainings is charge more money. We've seen it across the board in everywhere that you've trained or you've conducted business. There are just so many guys who just don't charge enough money. It's almost like they're they they don't want to get out of that comfort zone, you know. They know that this is a good this is this is a good price. I'm going to get a lot of jobs at this price, so you know here I'm going to stay. Where I think you got to sometimes just get out of that comfort zone and keep asking for more until you find find your ceiling, you know. Um, I, and I you know I'm constantly talking about bum, but. When Bum started, I think he was around, I don't know, maybe around three, three dollars a foot. And then on 
uh, you know, a year or two ago, we're talking about a job that he had just finished or something. And uh, I said, geez, you did good on this job, you know. And I had said the number and he looked at me and he goes, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, you know, actually, the number was this. And I said, what, what the hell are you talking about? He, he was he's up around over five dollars a foot you know, in, in the Albany area, which is, which is pretty high, uh, you know? And when I said, what the hell? And he looked at me and he goes, hey, you're the one who told me to keep charging, keep raising the price until I find the ceiling. He goes, that's, that's around my ceiling. So I said, well, that's, you know, for this area, that was great money, but I was a little shocked that uh, he actually did what I was recommended to do to find that cap, you know, find that, uh, find the ceiling. And he did took a couple of years and those people aren't going to be crawling out of the woodwork, the people who are willing to pay the highest. But when you start to offer more than just the floors, you know what I mean? Just like you said, the peace of mind, the, the trust, that's what people are willing to pay for. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And you know, I've seen it. And I, I, like I said, I've seen it with my son, but I've also seen it with almost every single training that I've done. And, and you know, people who listen to the show have heard me say this a thousand times, but there's always that guy in the back of the room staying kind of quiet, tell him not getting into the discussion. I'm like, well, in this area, you can only get this because it's not true. There well, are I think people it, in every single area that are willing to yeah. pay that, so that high-end price. There's a couple things, Rob. Sorry to interrupt you, but my point was more brilliant than that. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think there's a couple things. And I want, one of the things that I think is so important is the experience. When you can get your floors done by two different people and with the same results and have two completely different experiences. You know, you have a guy that, yeah, they get the job done, but, you know, maybe not pleasant to be around, maybe didn't respect your home as much and these type of things. And, and you know what you're paying for, part of this is the experience. If you, you give them absolutely positively over the top experience, every night maybe text them, say, hey, just want to know, you know where we're at in the process. You know yourself when, when, you're, when you're dealing with contractors or whatever, or, or you know, no matter what, dropping your car off to get your car fixed or whatever. Um, to find great service nowadays is rare. And you look how much you appreciate it. It's so rare that we appreciate the hell out of it when we get it. Think of a great server when you go to a restaurant. Where, man, I mean, they're just on the ball all the time. You don't even have to ask, you know what I mean? And they just do it right. And by the way, if you're a server, uh, yeah, always know. You know, it's, it's a fact that when um, when waitresses or whatever touch touch you on your shoulder or whatever, that they get, they get more tips. Do you know that? It, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a more of a personal connection and, and for them to just to put their sh hand on your shoulder a little bit, um, uh, it goes a long way. So, 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 so you need to be touched. No, no. Well, no, I don't. And that's how you're going to, that's the only way you're going to give up that big teeth, big tip. No, I, is, no, I, 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 I that's not, you need to be touched. Huh? But it, what about no, a but full, full bore shoulder back rub? You're probably going to pay huge money for that. Right. Or a hug. Yeah, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pauline should no, be a waitress. Head. She she'd make thousands a week. She's a toucher and a hugger. Well, I, I talk about, I swear to 
God, in, in the South, it is the, I, I mean, I, it's, anybody that's not from the South who, who experiences this will know what I'm talking about. Uh, just the other day, we, my wife and I went to a restaurant and the, the kid's like 20, maybe she's 20 years old and she'll come up. She goes, hey, honey, what do you, what, what can I get you? Okay, darling, I'm going to, I'm going to put out some bread and butter, but if you guys want more, just let me know. Okay, sweetheart, uh, do you guys going to have dessert? You know what I mean? It's very, uh, you know, maybe in day and today in different parts of the country, it doesn't, you know, whatever, but it's not, it's just a, a culture here. And uh, I think it's very charming to me. And, um, but hey, but my point is, um, the experience is worth a lot. And that, that when you talk about your price and what you're worth and what the people think of you afterwards and, and all that type of stuff, I think, uh, I think it, it, it goes a long way. And this is a podcast about floors. And yeah, we talk a lot about money. We're old. We learn how important it is, man. And then we learn some stuff along the way. And, and uh, so there's a reason for that. We, you know, again, these are just our, our, us talking, but we would really, you know, we like to see the guys be successful and, and, and get the most out of this career as they possibly can. So that's the reason why we do. All right. Yeah, we're old. Yeah. All right. I mean, we're yeah. heading into retirement age. How old are yes. you? You're 60, right? Yeah. 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 You didn't think that I'm would become a, a digit. Oh, yeah. What? Well, we're both 60? very immature. That's what keeps us young. Yeah, well, yeah. Immaturity. Yeah. But uh, I think so, too. Yeah. You're 60. I, I think I'm 59. Listen, yeah, I'm 59. I, I yeah. So, all but... of a sudden, you're you're thinking retirement. There is. Wow. I, I might get to the end of this damn race. And you know what, the one of the smartest things you ever said in this show, and I'm going to give you your props. Once in a while, I'm going to give you your props. That money-making, how was that thing you said? Well, how the hell do I know that? No, no, no. Is uh, when you were making your best money, you know, oh, but you didn't start yeah. making your best money until you were into your 30s. Yeah. Imagine if you could be making your best money starting at your 20s yeah and hopefully that that's what we're helping some people out with this show yeah is yeah uh, i did have a caller tell me yeah i love the show but you do sound a little greedy your wife is right and i was like well i've just seen too many people leave too much money on the table through the years yeah and we work yep. too hard to like you said to feel guilty about taking money when it's there for the taking. Yep. Especially Absolutely when you deserve right. it and you give them, you give them the experience. Absolutely. Yep. yep. So that experience is important, man. I mean, like I said, you can get this, the, 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 the same results from two different people and you'll have two different, completely different experiences. And so that, that, that personal touch should not be overlooked, especially nowadays. It is hugely important, which brings me to my next point. And we talked about social media before, and I, I and I don't care because I, I just it blows my mind, uh, Rob. I even I know social media and I know this, but it, 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 I still can't get over how how powerful it is. Remember back in the day when you had a yellow page ad, right? If you're lucky, you you know, especially starting out, you had say a three inch by five inch ad on the yellow pages. And what did that three inch by five inch ad say, Rob? Because they every let me tell you what mine says. Here's they said what they say, Hold on a second. They said the no, same let me tell you what thing. mine said. Go ahead. No, mine was different. No way you saw this on anybody else's. Okay. It was RJ Associates. 
Sanding, okay. install, repair. Yeah. Screen and recoats. Okay. I'm bored. Fourth generation. I'm still bored. And then I had yeah. a little had a little tagline there. We're small, but we're slow. Is that right? That's actually pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of them had the same damn message. It goes like this. Free estimates, right? Bonded insured, um, custom borders, dust containment, maybe dust in the older in the yellow, and then then move on to dust containment. That was it. Now you have an opportunity like no other tradesman that's ever came before you in this entire industry. Never before in the history of man has a tradesman had a chance to absolutely talk to your customers and show your work in the in the best light possible using the exact descriptions you want to say, putting the exact story out there that you want them to hear. It is the great equalizer. Um, so, you know, yellow pages were useless and radio ads were crazy expensive and probably useless as well. This not jumping on board the uh, social media game is, is uh, to me, such a mistake, man. And, you know, um, I know a lot of old school guys think, ah, you know, it's passed me by or whatever, but look at the opportunity that we get from social media, man. It is just, I mean, I seen a guy put something on there the other day and just a simple 30 second thing. And, and by, by, by the following week, it had like 600 or 700 views and that's nothing. You know what I mean? So huge, man, huge social media. And there's an expression. And that's, I like. that's where the customers are. Yeah. That's where the and customers so you, are, man. Yep. Uh, Bum was telling a, me that just about all of his work, all the work he gets now is either word of mouth or through his uh, social media. Yeah. That, it's crazy. Yep. And so, so guys would say that, you know what, that's the way I've done it for years and years. And, you know, we did fine. There's an expression I like that is a ship doesn't sail on yesterday's wind. You know, that's you know, what that's in the past. There's a, there's a new, there's a whole new way of doing business now. And the, the, the doors that this can open up is just absolutely incredible. We got a yellow pages a couple of weeks ago. You're kidding. I didn't even no. know they existed anymore. We got a freaking yellow pages. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the yellow pages from around here used to be like an inch and a half thick. Yeah. Like a, like a two by four. Now it wasn't three eighths. It wasn't three eighths thick. Yeah. And there were some floor guys in there. I looked them, you know, same guys. Actually, a couple of the guys were guys when I had my ad in there. They're still, still kicking around. Yeah. All right. So, um, also, just one other thing that we, you know, we, 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 uh, work with general contractors in this trade. And the other thing that I that I uh, meant to say on one of our I had in my notes for a long time is not to undervalue our our our, uh, our value to the to a general contractor. There are general contractors today that don't do actually any of the work, uh, and some 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 things need to be you have to have a general contractor's license in order to do the work. And even though they're not doing the work, they're charging for their risk. I mean, there's risk them being on the job. And there's a lot of specialty trades now. I mean, as, as, as even homes have gotten more complicated with the radiant heat systems and the different electronics and stuff like that, that um, every trade now seems to be a specialty trade. 
So a lot of times they're just running the show. They're almost they're paper contractors, which is you know, no disrespect. I mean, I, I in fact quite the opposite. I'm amazed at general contractors, the amount of liability and stuff that they take on and what have you. But but part of your value is is part of their value is you and your their Rolodex that has your name in it. And that they know that they can trust you and that you're bringing quality products to the job. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't like, don't care for working for, uh, for uh, builders. Uh, I, I, you know, we were, we had a nice mix of both builders, uh, homeowners, general contractors and the like, but, um, but don't, I, I think it would make sure that we know our value also when it, when, in, when we're working with this, this group of clientele. I mean, we, we, there's a real peace of mind to a, to a general contractor that can just put that off his list that he doesn't have to worry about the floor guy. But that, that's going to be taken care of. He doesn't have to put his energy into that. And that's worth a little bit more money that he doesn't have to, that's uh, uh, one less headache he has. Um, yeah, I agree. The, uh, you know, I've been helping out on the tech line. Okay now that uh we've had our wings clipped for training but um the good news is we're booking schools man i just booked some flights and hotels and everything so it looks like uh end of march we're gonna get training going rocking and rolling knock on wood that everything goes good and we don't have any more spikes but um I know Pauline's going to miss me. You know, she's going to miss those hot meals when she comes home from work, but you, you'll be able to give her a call, take care of her for me, you know. I, I stopped give calling her. Some her. Company. You, stopped yeah, well, calling. I'm home every day. You can't. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. She's going to talk to you while I'm sitting with her? Yeah, that's not right. I know she got rid of the but, burner phone because the, the, the burner phone just goes to... <laughs> Yeah, you don't think I can find that? Yeah, uh, you're better than I thought, man. Yeah. I want to apologize uh, for that, too, by the way. I, I, I don't know what I was thinking. What's that? Calling Pauline on the side like that. That's just, I don't know what happened to me. I lost my head. Uh, you know, she's like those southern waitresses, you know, one touch, one hug. Yeah, that's what it was. And you just want to leave a bigger tip. I better yep. stop talking. My kids, my kids listen to this and they, okay. they don't like it when I start to get gross. So. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right, Rob, let me ask you something. Uh, I also wanted to ask you what we had the chance on here. Cause it's winter time. We talk about winter time challenges. Uh, talk to me about the uh, freeze thaw situation with the products. <sighs> that's something uh, that's where I was going. I mean, now that I've been uh, helping out on the tech line, Actually, it's been fun because uh, every now and then I even get to talk to some listeners, which is pretty cool. But uh, that is one that we get a lot, a lot of calls on the tech line about what do I do with my frozen product or what happens if the product freezes? So, uh, you know, right off the bat, uh, I started to look into this. I I talked to our lab and I talked to uh, the product management people and everything. Got some great tips and uh, actually had my eyes open, too, on on what Bona does when uh, when we're shipping our stuff, you know. Uh, first off, with the uh, oil-based products and our adhesive products, no need to worry about any of those. They, they don't have water in it. So if it doesn't have water in it, 
all you have to do, like your adhesives, they get cold, they might get a little hard. You just got to let them soften up on their own. Room temperature, you don't want to, the trick is when you're bringing these things back to life is you don't want to rush it. You don't want to, you know, and I remember Pete and I walking in with poly that was like as thick as toothpaste and putting it on radiators and stuff and stirring the hell out of it and trying to get it warm again. That's something you don't want to be doing with these products. You want to let them acclimate to the room. Let them come up naturally, slowly. Then they'll come right back to where they were. Um, another cool thing that I found out about how bonus ships is uh, we actually have somebody in the shipping department who watches the weather every single day. Watches the weather all over the, the 48 states. And she will determine where a load is going if that load needs to be protected. And I think the number she told me was 34 degrees. So if it's going to be 34 or below within, a, you know, a two or three day ship time over the road, whatever, then they'll ship it uh, a reefer truck. It's a refrigerated truck, not a not the reefer trucks that come out of Denver, but a lot of stuff comes out of North Carolina. So they will look at where the, where it's going, what the temperature is going to be, and does it need to be protected? So rest assured that the product that you're getting from Bona to your distributor has not been frozen. Like I said, because we check that weather every day and wherever it's being shipped, they make sure that if it's going to a cold place, you know, if it's heading out to Minnesota, it's going to be in a protected truck. It kind of blew me away. I was there's a lot more that. going on than what you and I think, you know? You can always ask me if you have questions about stuff like that. Uh, by the so way, I, just, uh, I didn't need to bother anybody. I just should have went right to you yeah, with this, huh? Should have. Just by the way, too, the, 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 the uh, adhesive, too, uh, uh, freezes down to zero, not 32. So you, you uh, which is rather nice, especially in those cold climates. And you reminded me, too, when you said uh, about the polyurethane. Uh, when I was a contractor in California, we, we didn't have to worry about freezing issues. That was really a really eye-opener when I moved back east. But um, it reminds me of all the days. And in, in California, your polyurethane has to come in quarts, uh, no gallons. And uh, I'd be driving to work with uh, 12 quarts on my dash with the heater on, just to give it that little bit more, you know, to warm it up a little bit more so I could roll it. Which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever rolled woodland polyurethane. But it absolutely flat out positively rolls like a dream. Oh, man. It, I mean, it rolls just flat out stunning, stunning. It looks like you sprayed it on. Anyhow, that's not the topic. Um, All right. So one more thing about the freeze thaw. Okay. Um, with the water-based products, if they freeze solid at zero degrees for 16 hours, there's a good chance that you're going to have some clumps in there. But, you know, a lot of the freezing that takes place isn't that drastic, okay? Zero for 16 hours, that's that's quite a test, okay? So if you just, let's say, for instance, it's 28 degrees, you got, it froze a little bit in the truck overnight. You should have brought it in, but it, you know, whatever happens, it happens. 
the trick to thawing the water-based products out, like the adhesives, just let them come up to room temperature naturally. The thing that you want to do, though, is do not stir it. Don't shake it. Don't stick a stick in there to break up the ice clumps or anything like that. Let it come back 100% naturally. You don't want to be shaking it, stirring it, banging the clumps around or anything like that. Because what I was told by our lab and what they've, they've seen in the past is by doing that, the ice shards can slice polymers. They can slice the polymers or they can slice the resins, which is really going to cause some issues down the road. So when you're thawing your product out, like I said, don't move it, don't shake it, don't do anything like that. Just let it come back naturally. But if you think uh, after that and it's still coming out clumpy and everything, somewhere down the line, it froze for 16 hours at zero degrees. But like I said, when Bona does our shipping, it's all protected. So everybody just needs to keep an eye on the weather, keep an eye on how you're storing it. I mean, really, it's a pain in the neck. Best thing to do if you think it's going to freeze, bring it in the house or get it out, leave it in the job and let it acclimate on the job. Yeah. That was a really, you know, coming from the West Coast when I moved back here, man, and Michigan was part of my territory. And I'd have the, you know, my my van, the Bona van with all my equipment and stuff. And I'd be, you know, every night you're in a hotel. And uh, I had to, you got to go get the cart and put the uh, the uh, cases of uh, finish in the uh and the car and bring it in the hotel room, which was like so unheard of in California, man. But uh, I learned it the hard way the first time. My first trip to Michigan we could not have been more of a disaster. Uh, if you don't think there's different cultural uh, uh, differences in, in the country, uh, I my first week up to Michigan was during deer, deer hunting season. I had no idea it was deer hunting season. And there was nobody to be found. There was nobody. There's nobody there. Yeah. Nobody. Nobody. No, it, was like, no. uh, it was like being there on Christmas Day. And then uh, I couldn't, I go, man, I, that place is pretty slow, man. I was you know, surprised. And then finally some dude goes, why'd you come up here during hunting week, man? It's open season. I went, oh my God. That, and I had a, then I, fr I froze my uh, first out of the hotel. I went in the van and, and I realized the finish froze. Never even thought about it, man. Never was on my radar screen. I never even dawned on me until that first trip. I learned quick. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's a religion up there, man. I remember, uh, I was talking to a distributor. We're going through some dates, and uh, and I said, "Oh, hey, I've I, I think it was like early October or something." I said, "I got uh, I got the first two weeks of October or last two weeks of October, you know, I, I'll come up for a week. We'll do a couple of things." And he's like, he just started laughing. He goes, "So I guess you're not a hunter, huh?" I said, "No, I fish. Don't hunt. I fish." He goes, eh, "It's hunting season." He goes, "We won't get we won't get anybody in here for hunting season." Well, you, you remember Todd McDonald? You know Todd McDonald. Of course you know. Of course, yeah. Matter of fact, he just called me as we were talking. That was the phone that uh, I had to put on silent. Yeah. It's Todd McDonald? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll put his number up for everybody, for everybody to see. I remember uh, working with Todd, and I we were talking about getting together to do something, and I had mentioned those dates, and he, he looked at me, and he goes, uh, Oh, I'm off those. It was like two or three weeks. He goes, Oh, I'm off those weeks. And I'm like, Oh, really? Where are you going? He goes, He looked at me. He goes, Hunting. He goes, It's hunting season. And Toddy Mac would take those two weeks off and hunt. 
Oh yeah, that's uh, he's he's he, that's his life, man. He loves the he's big into deer hunting. Um, and then we uh, cracked me up. I saw a promotion. Um, bag a buck and get such and such is a promotion. I can't remember what the promotion was. I thought try running that promotion in uh, California. See how well that that plays. <laughs> All right. So Rob, you got anything else? Nah, we're good. That's a wrap. I just wanted to make sure there, there's some things that were just hanging around for a while that I didn't want to, before I threw the notes away, um, and I wanted to just just throw it all out there on an episode. So we did it. All right. So thank you very much. We have another, the next podcast uh, coming up is uh, going to be kind of fun. We're going to have fun with the next one. Uh, it's going to be about tough guys. And me and Rob know a little bit about that. You got to be tough in this business, man. Yes, sir. Okay. This has been another episode of On the Floor with Wayne and Rob. Please stay tuned for another episode.